Welcome to Remotely Possible, a podcast about the people shaping the future of work. My name's Adam Riggs, and I'm the CEO of Frameable, a software company that's improving distributed work for Microsoft Teams and Outlook users. We're always looking for leaders, technology innovators, and software partners who might be a good fit as a guest on the podcast. If you have a story to share about creating and maintaining a highly collaborative environment for either hybrid or fully remote teams, we'll share details at the end of each episode of this podcast so you'll know how to get in touch with us. And now, let's dive into our conversation about how real people are making the future of work more successful. Welcome back to the Remotely Possible podcast. I'm your guest host, Erica Heald, which clues you into the fact that we're doing something a little different today. For the past few weeks, our host, Adam Riggs, has been talking to business leaders about their hybrid and distributed workplaces. But today, we're going to put Adam in the hot seat to share his own story with distributed work. Adam, what does it feel like to be on the other side of the microphone today? Um, I actually have a lot more experience on this side, so it feels pretty good. <laughs> Excellent. Well, let's dive in. So while, re- while remote work has been in the news a lot over the past three years, thanks to COVID and that immediate work from home scenario, uh, the truth is that many of us, myself included, have been part of distributed and hybrid work teams for years. Can you share with us what your personal work history with distributed work and hybrid work looks like? Uh, sure. So um when I first uh, graduated from college, my, my first job was as a floor trader on the American Stock Exchange. And um, for that job, um, it was kind of an interesting mix because, you know, uh, 85% of the people or 90% of the people that I needed to interact with were physically uh, in the same building as I was. Um, but there was a very um, important small group of people that were elsewhere. They were in Chicago and uh, they were, you know, on our team, um, either as contractors or as uh, employees uh, for our company. And, um, you know, they were colleagues, you know, with a capital C colleagues. And uh, we interacted with them a lot, uh, but by phone only. Then um, later, uh, when I was at Shutterstock from 2005 to 2010 or so, we had a mix of um, a core office in New York where we tried to hire people into that office um, for most positions. Uh, but we had a very important group of people that were not in New York that were doing part of the work. Um, they were in the United States, but just not in New York. And uh, and we interacted with them by phone and by email. Um, at that time, there was very limited opportunity for in-app collaboration. So really just phone and email. So email was added um, and just for me personally um, in that second phase. Um, Then I went to uh, government for three years where we had phone and email, of course, um, same as uh, many people. Um, And it was really important that, you know, I be able to reach people and that people be able to trust um, colleagues who they'd never met before. Um, But it's a little different in government because, um, in that case, I was new and I was working with a lot of people who had a lot of experience. So even though I was only able to work with them by phone and email for the most part, um, 
I was still able to have a high degree of trust with them and we were still able to do um, some great work um, with the colleagues that you know I had not had a chance to meet and, and never did meet. Um, and now um, in this current incarnation, um, I'm really focused on building a, a richer set of interaction types uh, to power distributed work. Um, everything from uh, you know mapping software to uh, adaptations of Microsoft Teams so that people can have more transparency. So I guess the the answer to your question is that, like many people, I started off in the 90s where my remote collaboration was phone powered. Uh, then email got added, and um, and now I think the world has changed, and we're we're all looking for a richer set of interaction opportunities for people that you know we may not get to be with in person. Well, when you think back over those early forays into having that kind of distributed workforce and, and doing virtual collaboration, you know, what were some of the challenges that your teams um, and your organizations had when it came to building that company culture to be inclusive of the folks that weren't in the headquarters office or even just the ability to get work done? when you weren't in the office? Because let's face it, doing things like dialing in to um, a remote desktop is not the same as, uh, <laughs> it's not really a best practice these days for how you'd want to do work. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Uh, at the same time, everybody was really working with the same set of limitations. I mean, um, always better to be in the room than to be the one calling in uh, back then. Uh, it was rare to tackle big, complicated projects with people who you were not able to spend some time with. I mean, of course, it it happened, and the plenty of you know plenty of paths to doing a good job there, just with a uh, phone and email. I mean, when I hear myself talk about this, it makes it sound like nothing complicated ever got done, you know, before before the the era that we're in, and that's obviously not true, but. It, it just is a lot harder to um, to do certain types of work um, if every interaction is scheduled and if you'd never get to, um, you know, learn about someone, um, learn about their mannerisms, learn about their preferences, their allergies, learn about what they're interested in. And, you know, it's a very natural thing for humans to be able to, you know, fold that understanding of someone into, you know, the way they interact with them. So I think that um, it was hard to do it, but like you, I, I learned how to do it and uh, and we were able to do plenty just with the phone. And then when email was added, it was, you know, it was a wonderful addition. Um, and then in the, you know, in the teens, 2010, 15, 20, you know, the the software that we would use design software or you know word editing software or spreadsheets i mean they started to have in-app collaboration features which you know which made some types of work even easier um so i think the the vector of effort is you know it's headed in the direction of just supporting richer and more useful co collaboration types you know as we go but um but but back then every every inch gained was um was more challenging i think than it is now oh I, I totally agree with that i still remember when i got my first video camera when i worked at charles schwab in the early 
early aughts. And I was the only person who would turn her camera on. No one else wanted to work with a, a video call. Um, it, was, it was pretty challenging to try to get to know people whose faces you didn't even see. They were just the disembodied voice on the other side of the polycom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, that that's an interesting point. Um, and that is something that has changed a lot in the last few years. I think I, I was um, one of the people who strongly preferred video to be on when I was having a remote interaction with someone. Um, I think that now uh, I have a better understanding of the, you know, the special type of uh, fatigue that sets in when you're on video calls all day. It's not just not as natural as being with people in person. There are a lot of advantages, you know, scheduling efficiency and things like that. But um, but over time, it is tiring. And so I think now, um, certainly at our company, um, the norm is uh, more flexible. You know, some people prefer to have their cameras on. Some people pre prefer to have it off. You know, certain kinds of conversations, someone might ask for cameras on. But um, for the most part, we are sharing a screen or two and looking at an asset together, whether it's a piece of copy or a piece of code or, or a, a, you know, a design exploration. And so really it's more important in a way to, to be looking at that thing together than it is to be looking at each other. So not for every conversation, but for, for a lot of them, uh, we find that video is actually not uh, necessary and it kind of um, not insisting on the video, uh, sort of um, lightens the load a little bit day to day, uh, especially on a team that that is remote, you know, most of the time. And what I think is interesting is that on the flip side of this, now that we've gotten really used to using video for collaborating and sharing screens, is I feel like it's really caused a shift in how people are spending the limited time they do have together in person. I know you guys have a um, offsite planned. Do you want to share a little bit about how you guys view that, you know, how you intentionally spend that time together in a way that's more meaningful than just doing your work in the same uh, in the same room together? Yeah, well, we we do um, we do set aside some time to work shoulder to shoulder. Uh, um, we don't want to miss the chance. And um, we find that that is really fun. Um, when you're not when when that's not what you normally do. But um, I think your your point is, um, and I think it's best practice these days is, you know, my my sense is that um, it's very important to use the time um, to do other things, but to do them together. Um, again, to establish that trust and to get to know people, to get to know them personally, um, to see them interact and uh, to see them perform. Uh, whatever the task is, could be going on a bike ride or a hike, or it could be a cooking class or just any activity where, you know, you can see your colleagues in another context. And it really helps uh, deepen your understanding of them as a person. And then you get to draw on that. This is our experience that you get to draw on that um, sort of a reservoir of deeper understanding when you're not physically together. You get to know people's um, you know, their mannerisms and uh, whether or not a certain kind of pause from a certain person is an indication that they're thinking about what you said versus uh, they disagree and they just don't want to, you know, necessarily give voice to it. I mean, these are really important distinctions that uh, when you spend time with people in person, you you learn. Um, and if you, if you have none of that in your reservoir, um, 
it's harder to trust people and um, great work requires trust among teammates. So we look at the time that we get to spend physically together as partially, hey, this is a treat. We get to actually look over each other's shoulders, so to speak, the way, you know, the way you you like to um, when you're working in a high functioning in-person office, you know, there's a lot of banter and back and forth and ideas are flying and stuff, but there's also an opportunity to to fill that reservoir um, with a better understanding of your colleagues so that when you when your time is finished, you you have something to draw on um, to do better work together going forward. That sure does sound uh, like a lot more fun than having a day of back-to-back-to-back meetings followed by rubber chicken. <laughs> yes, no, no rubber chicken for us. <laughs> Love it. Well, before I let you go, I did have one final question, which is thinking back on the work history that you shared with us today and over the past six years, all the work that you've done in building these uh, tools for distributed work, if you could go back and do it all over, what, if anything, would you do differently in those past distributed workplaces that you think could have made it a richer experience for everybody? Well, I, I have an answer to that question that's um, painful to sh- say out loud and honest. And also, um, every entrepreneur is going to identify with this, I think, which is that um, you, you you want to you have to um, meet people where they are. Um, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, remote work now, one of the big advantages of supporting either a fully remote or a hybrid, you know, um, approach is that you um, you get to have a much bigger, more distributed pool of talent to potentially draw from. So you are meeting the talent where it is and you are not asking uh, of them quite as much. You know, you're not asking them to come in five days a week. You're acknowledging that there are certain kinds of work that they can do very well from from where they are. You're meeting them where they are in terms of their their personal health, their schedule, their commute, et cetera. Uh, and so it's always a good idea to just lean into to that, to, to meeting people where they are uh, when it comes to your your team, your employees. Um, it's also true, of course, with the customers. You know, we we have at various times um, in the recent past uh, come up with a an innovation which we thought was going to inspire fundamental changes in the way people worked or what they were comfortable with. And um, what we have learned is that um, you can inspire people to to change how they behave and how they work, but um, it's not going to be an all at once uh, eureka type of moment. And you really need to pay attention to their current work habits and their current preferences and try to weave the innovations into something that they already recognize. Um, so th- that's the advice for the for the former me is just to do more to recognize where people are uh, at this moment already and then try to go there in whatever way you can, whether it's your team or your customers, um, because you're going to get you're going to get better results and, and a better understanding of what your vision is. Your vision can be, you know, radical, but how you get there has to be one step at a time. 
That's so true, Adam. And I always, I always remember I had a, a boss I love, Tatiana, and she always said, Erica, remember to take folks along for the journey. And I think that's exactly um, the case. You got to meet people where they are and take them along on that journey um, if you want to make any kind of meaningful change in the organization. I, I wish, uh, I wish, I mean, that's a sticky note that we should all have on our desks because it will, it will save you. Um, a lot of time and a lot of effort. Um, if you can remind yourself of that, um, it's it's one that I've learned every way you can learn it. I've had moments where I've learned it the easy way. I've had moments where I've learned it the hard way. I've had moments where I've learned it the very hard way. So that's um, it's a kind of a golden rule, isn't it? It really is. Well, Adam, thank you so much for giving us a little glimpse into your history with distributed and remote work. And we can't wait to hear more on a future episode of the Remotely Possible podcast. Any Thanks. last words? It was a words? lot of fun. No, mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun to turn the tables. Um, I, I think my my story is is typical in a lot of ways. Um, um, you know, starting with the phone, adding email, you know, seeing the interaction types get richer and richer inside the various software applications. And now uh, I'm just hoping, you know, we're just part of a community of companies that are really trying to push um, what's possible. And um, it's great to see, uh, not only great to see so many software companies thinking about this, but it's also great to see the demand, you know, and have it be normalized. Um, So we're really, we're really optimistic about, about the future for that reason. We can't wait to see what you come up with next. Thanks, Thanks Adam. Thanks so much. I'm your host, Adam Riggs, and I'd like to thank you for listening to Remotely Possible, the podcast about distributed work and the people who make it possible. Remotely Possible is sponsored by Frameable, a software company with a mission of making virtual collaboration feel as easy as turning around and talking to each other. Learn more at frameable.com. To become a guest on an upcoming edition of Remotely Possible, head over to frameable.com podcast and introduce yourself. If you know someone who'd be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show and include the hashtag remotely possible. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it on your social networks and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Your likes, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and to our team. Want to know how Frameable Spaces helps Microsoft Teams and Outlook users collaborate more effectively? Visit our website, frameable.com, or follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.